Let's be honest. We all have seasons where we're just struggling. The bills add up. The relationship falls apart. The person you trusted let you down. Another setback, another defeat, another disappointment. The emotions are real, but life goes on. We try to stay positive. Maybe tomorrow will be better, but at least for today, the struggle is real. Well, hey everybody, welcome all of our campuses, all of you watching online. So glad you're with us. I'm excited about this new series, The Struggle is Real. Um, before I dive in, just let me make sure you know, uh, especially to all the, all the parents of middle school and high school students, that uh, deadline for registration for the camp is this Wednesday midnight. So please, if you have kids, uh, it, camp changed my life. I would not be here today if I did not go to youth camp, and I really do believe that. And so if you have a student, middle school, high school, all the information's on our website. Make sure you go sign your kid up. Even if they don't want to go, you make, you're the parent. You make them, no, I'm kidding. I just, you just do what you want, but um, Wednesday's the deadline, all right? Now, this series, The Struggle is Real, here's where we're going over the next three weeks. I'm struggling with church. Week two, that's today. I'm struggling with mental, emotional health. I'm going to tell you something. This is going to be awesome. This is not so much, but this one is good. Week three, I'm struggling with self-image. That's not exactly what it may sound like. I'm not talking about the way you look, okay, or the way you dress or whatever. We're talking about deeper things there, and I promise you, I really do believe it's a good outline for us. Today, starting with... I'm struggling with church. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I have a good roadmap for today. I think there's some helpful things for those of us who have or will have or are struggling in some way with the church. Maybe it's this church. Maybe it's another church. Maybe it's the big church, you know, the big C church, like the church worldwide. It's like, oh, man, I'm, uh, I'm mad or I'm hurt or, or whatever. I feel, I feel like today, as, especially as we have endured the last year or so of COVID and, and uh, the shutdowns and the come-ons and the get-in and masks or no masks and political and racial, I mean, a lot of things. So the, the series is really kind of helping us gather our thoughts around this last year in particular as it relates to the struggle. So, and it's not just I struggle with church over the last year, but it could be you know, your whole life you struggled, or you may not even know you struggle, and you're going to find out today, oh, man, I struggle. That's okay. Join the club. Um, we, we all struggle in some, some way, and so a lot of this series is kind of built around that. But today, the struggle with the church, I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever struggled with something, but I feel like I'm going to, I think it's going to be helpful. So I want you to open your heart. Um, no matter what's happened today, no matter what's going to happen this week with rain and all that stuff, and you're sick of rain, but we prayed for rain because we're in a drought and now we don't want the rain. We're, we're, we're whiners, right? But that's just, that's just the way it is with the Lord. He already knows us. He already knows us. Uh, he loves us anyway. Let's, let's start with Matthew 16. Then I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 12. Let's talk about the church. 
Jesus talking. Now I say to you, this is when he was asked, hey, um, he asked, who do people say that I am? Who who are people saying that that I am? And and they said, well, you're, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, whatever. And, And then he says, well, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ. Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, now I say this to you, Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. That, that word in the Greek church, ecclesia, is a gathering place. It, that's simply what it means. It's just a, a gathering of believers. Or I'll give you my definition of the church in just a minute. But Jesus makes this bold declaration upon Peter's confession that you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God, and I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's an incredible claim. And for 2,000 years, the church, in its frailty, in its sin, in its weakness, in its strength, the Lord has kept on building his church. Now, when Paul talks about the church, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. He talks about it in this way. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So now we're going from just like a a gathering place to a body, an organism, a living organism. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not the hand or a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But our bodies, okay, is that it? Okay, yeah. So so then he's talking about this, this, this church as the body of Christ. We are a body made up of different parts. Some of us come from different backgrounds spiritually, denominationally, even culturally, religious even. But we've come together upon our confession of faith, and we're called this body of Christ. Now let me give you my definition of the church. This is kind of from these two passages. The church is a diverse group of people from all over the world who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as revealed in the Scriptures, God's Word, and who gather together to worship. Now, that worship is a big word. Worship entails everything, because everything we do is worship. When, we, when we're on mission in Haiti, when we're on mission in Germany, when we're on mission in Africa, wherever we are, when we're on mission at our workplace, at our school, that's worship. When we come together and we learn, we grow in Bible studies, classes, we are worshiping. When we come together to sing, we're worshiping. When we come together to serve, we're, we're worshiping. When we come together to pray, we're worshiping. Everything we do, Romans 12, 1 and 2, 
is a worship unto the Lord. So the church is a diverse group of people. Even here in this church, we have many people. You've come from different countries. You've come from different parts of the world. You've come from different parts of the United States. We come all over from whatever background you've come from to worship together because we have a common belief in Jesus. We worship, we serve, we follow Jesus. Now, here's what the church is not, okay? It is not an institution. Okay, there's not a, a 1-800-CHURCH number to call, and then they pay, hey, the church, you know, the, there's not, it's not an institution. The, the church is not a building. You know, when we talked about our, we talked to our kids, where are we going? We're going to church, and that's true. We're a gathering place, that's true. But it's, it, sometimes we get this, this in our head that the church is a building, and because you can call us and we, we answer, then it, the church is a building right? It's not a building. This, is, this could be sold and used as a concert venue. This could be sold and used as a school. This could be sold and, used and torn down. It, it, there, there, this is all it is, is a building. God does not reside as he did in the Old Testament in the building. That's why you're allowed to dress the way you dress. That's why you're allowed to wear shorts. That's why you're allowed to bring coffee. That's why you're, because this is not necessarily a holy place until we get here. Because where does, where does, where does the, the presence of the Lord reside? That's not a trick question. Yes. He, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, so the church isn't an institution. It, it's not a building, and it's not a denomination. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's not a the Catholic church, the Presbyterian church, the Baptist church, Episcopal church. It's not any denomination, although they are all part of the body of Christ. It's not a denomination. The church is a gathering place of people who have put their faith in what he did on the cross and through his resurrection. We gather together to worship. We don't agree on everything, doctrinally speaking. We don't agree on everything stylistically. There are things about this church that you love. There are things about this church that you don't love because of our style maybe because of our doctrine, whatever. But we are a gathering place, and the church as the body of Christ, in other words, we're a living organism, we, we live and breathe not just in this place, but the church is a representation of Jesus to everyone. So when you go to your work, you're the church. Does that make sense? When you go to your school, you're the church. When you in your neighborhood, you're the church. This is not the church. We are the church. Wherever we go, every Bible study you have at your home, every home group you have at your home, you're the church. Now, having said that, I don't think there's any question that the church is very, very messy. How many would agree that the church is messy? And because of this, because it is messy, because there are people who say, well, I'm not the part of the church because I'm the eye and I don't, I'm not the hand or I'm not the feet or I'm not the ear or whatever. And we have so many things going on. How many were raised in a dysfunctional church? Anybody raised in a dysfunctional church? Not, yeah, all of us were. No churches except this one. But all the churches around us are very dysfunctional, right? We all are. 
because of this, because it's messy, I, I want to talk about three challenges that I've pinpointed that I think are going to be helpful regarding the church. I struggle with church because of hurt or disillusionment. I struggle with the church because I don't know the point. I don't get it. Or I struggle with the church because I'm lazy or I'm busy. The first one, let's, let's start there because that's probably, I, don't say, I wouldn't say it's the biggest, but I would say it is <clears throat> the most common in the sense of, of, of a general population because it doesn't matter what group you're a part of, you're going to be hurt. Okay, so if you are on staff at a school, uh, an elementary school, a high school, whatever, I promise you, give it a day, a week, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get offended. In your new place of work, you thought it was awesome, utopia, this is the best job ever. In about a day and a half, you realize, okay, they're idiots too, right? <laughs> or whatever you might say. It doesn't matter. Everywhere you go, whatever group you're going to be a part of, whether it's a football team, baseball team, soccer team, band, choir, typically somebody's going to hurt your feelings, somebody's going to do something, say something, and it's just not a secret that many, many, many people have been hurt at church, been disillusioned at church. I was, I was in high school, senior year of high school, been a part of the church you know, all my life. And I, and I actually, even though my church, like many of our churches, were dysfunctional, I loved church. Loved going to church. And I was at youth camp. And uh, the year before, so I know this is, oh, so believe me, when I tell the story, I don't even know if I should tell it because it's so trivial that it's almost laughable that I'm even bringing it up. But I'm going to bring it up anyway, okay? So hear me out. The year before, at, at youth camp, at our youth camp, and I know this is a long time ago, but you... The camp, the camp counselors voted on the top camper of the year, or of the week, sorry, of the, of the week. And so you depended on, you know, when we played, because we played softball and volleyball, we were on teams, and, and, and if you had a good attitude, you had a good sportsmanship, if you, in, if you engage in the services, if you engaged in the, the hall, or not the hall, but the, the cabin devotions, if, I mean, just you know, all in out, you were really, really good, or at least you faked them out. The camp counselors, among all the boys and the ladies, would, would, would vote for the top boy camper, top girl camper. And uh, previous years, I got third place, okay? Third place, third best story of my life. But that senior year, now, if I had motives Going into it, I don't remember. In other words, I'm going to be the best camper. I am going to be the best camper. This I don't remember if I had that motive, okay? But we come to Thursday when the camp counselors had their meeting during the day, and they were talking about who's going to be the best camper of the week, boy and girl. And they voted on me. My youth pastor at the time, so... Uh, true story, he stood up and said, hey, I, I just want to say John is awesome and great. I don't know all that he said, but, but he gets a lot of attention 
back home at the church. He you know, started a band. He's the lead singer of the band that he's in. And he, he gets a lot of this attention. I really think somebody else should get this. Okay? And so he's persuaded all the counselors to then change their vote to this other person. And so when it came time to introduce the camp counselor of the, of the year or the week, they introduced my friend, and I was so excited. I was like, yeah, 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 it was great. I thought I might get it, but he's awesome too, right? He was one of my best friends. He's from our church even. So it was awesome. I was so excited. And then one of the other counselors came up to me that night and said, this is almost like, hey, I got a prayer request, and it's not a prayer request. You know, what I'm you know have you ever been to those? Uh, I got a prayer request, and it's only gossip. She comes up to me. She comes up to me and says, and I just feel like you should know that um, you really got that award, but your youth pastor, you know, kind of talked about the other guy, and he might be good for him, and uh, they, that's why they gave it to him. I just thought you should know that, that you know, we did notice that you're awesome. <laughs> that's not what she said, but that's, a, that's the way I took it. And I wish I could say that at the time, 17 years old, I wish I could say, oh, that's awesome. No problem. No big deal. I'm glad he got it. He, and, and I did. I put on a good face. But can I tell you, and that hurt my feelings. I was like, why would he do that? That's weird. Why would he do that to me? Now, again, I warned you, that's trivial. You're, you're sitting there going, really? That's your story of hurting the church? Okay, I get it. I totally, I totally get it. Because some of you have endured much, much worse, and I know that. I was just trying to think over the years, and I've been hurt so many times at church, it's not even funny. Some of them are way more serious than that, and I've told you about some of those, but that was one that came to my mind that was like, man, that, I still hold on to that. Not in a bitter way, not in a, you know, like I'm angry, and, and I've talked about you, it's all good. But I still remember it was one of those things that I remember, man, that hurt my feelings that you would do that to me. But you, perhaps, have endured being taken advantage of by somebody at church, by the pastor, by a staff member who took advantage of your time, took advantage of your money, took advantage of your sincerity, took, abused you in some way, even, perhaps. You've been hurt because you were judged instead of loved, instead of, recon, uh, instead of restored, you were judged. You've been disillusioned by the church, you've been hurt by the church because all they wanted was your money. The pastor had a moral failure. Somebody you trusted really, really hurt you. And it all happened at church. The list goes on, right? The list goes on. Some of you are here today at this church because another church hurt you. Some of you are here at this church and you have been looked over many, many times for things, positions, whatever, right here. And it is hurt. But you're still here. But you know what I mean. You know how real this is. When somebody says, I struggle with church, it's not just because they're immature, sometimes. It's not just because they're a baby. Sometimes it is real. 
because the church is imperfect, because the church is not a building or institution or denomination. The church is us. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever hurt somebody in your life? Have you? Have you ever said something hurtful to somebody? Have you ever been hurt by somebody in the church? Yeah, probably all of us have. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. So this is how we handle things. This is the way to handle things. Now, we can handle it and be bitter. We can handle our hurt with the church and be angry, get up and leave, cause a scene, um, lay out, not even change churches, just lay out altogether because I'm sick of it. I got hurt at the last church, got at the one before that, I got hurt at this one. Well, guess what? You go to another one, I guess what? You're, you're going to get hurt. Sometimes the common denominator is us, but I'm going to tell you every time the common denominator is the church. Because we hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Church in the, in the, uh, people in the church are hurting, and we are hurting, and so we hurt people. Sometimes we lash out. Some of you have been hurt by me. Some of I've, I've not called you back, and I don't even remember. Didn't return a text or didn't return an email. One of our staff members, whatever. It's all real, right? But get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And I could go on and on, right? Philippians, there's great verses. I could go on and on with, with our response because I feel like that our struggle with church is, is not because, a lot of times, not because you're a baby. It's not because you're, you know, weird or because you're just like uh, really highly offendable, although you may be. A lot of it's real. So what do you do? Well, the last thing in the world you need to do is be bitter. Because how many know who bitterness hurts? Anger hurts. Not forgiving hurts. It's you. You leave us. You leave hope because we, you, we, we did something. You go to another place. And, and it doesn't help you. Does that make sense? Now, you can leave hope, but leave right. Leave in a good spirit. Say, man, I, I feel like I'm supposed to. Not because, well, they hurt me, so I'm leaving. Oh, guys, please don't leave a church because somebody hurt you. Try to make it right. Do everything within you, Romans 12, to be at peace with everyone. I know it doesn't always work because it takes two but, but this is the way in which we handle. Now, one more, one more passage that I want to bring up before I go in, and I'll be quick about the other ones. Romans chapter 2 and 3. For you are not a true, now stay with me on this. For you're not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumstances is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. So in other words, what was he saying? He's like, guys, don't keep arguing about circumcision. Well, what's, who's a real Jew? Who's not a real Jew? Who's a real Christian? Who's not a, don't worry about those, those things. It's about a changed heart. And then he goes on to say, chapter 3. Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful 
But just because they were, un, I want you to hear, this is the only reason I read this passage, this verse right here. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful too? Of course not. I, I, I read this only because there are going to be times in which leadership in the church has failure, moral failure, not living the life, not, and you've heard, we've heard of this over and over, all over the United States, all over the world, pastor does something with money or does something with, with uh, other relationships and so forth, and it's, and it's bad, right? It's, ter- it's sin, it's sin. And, and here's my point. When that happens, our response as believers cannot be, it cannot continue to be, well, if, if that's all this is, if this is all this is about, I'm out. And not just out of church, I'm out with my relationship with God because that is uncalled for. And, and because, listen, you don't let anyone's sin rob you of your relationship with Jesus. Do not let any man's sin or woman's sin rob you of your relationship with your church. I may fail you. Somebody else may fail you. Another pastor in the world may fail you. But don't leave Jesus because somebody failed. Put that back up there, John. Because if they were unfaithful, does that, John is the guy in the back. Somebody just laughed. He's the guy in the back, not just me. Okay, uh, because they're unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Listen, whoever's unfaithful, whoever sins, whoever does something wrong to you in the church, whoever violates you, whoever is mistrusting, don't blame God. They're people. They're people. So get a perspective that is faithful to the Lord, no matter what. Because if your relationship with God is hinged on me, or if it's hinged on a church, that relationship is going to be driven by the wind because we are people. So don't allow your disillusionment with man or women to be effective in your relationship with God. Don't Uh, No matter what happens, he is faithful. And you can come to him, and you can be the church that is consistent, that is faithful, because he is faithful. Okay, so that's the first one. Now, the second two, I'll go quick. But sometimes we struggle because we don't understand the point. And this is, I'm talking to a lot of teenagers, right? Because there's a lot of teenagers that perhaps are like, man, why do I got to go to church? Now, I loved going to church. I, I really did. All my life, never, never had that like, oh, I don't want to go. And we went Sunday school, Sunday morning. So you think you got to come for an hour and you're all messed up? I was there early to late. We had sometimes a church dinner. And then we had Sunday night church. And then we had Wednesday night church. And then we had all kinds of prayer meetings and revivals. You guys got it made. Are you kidding me? Right? Okay, so some of you know what I'm talking about. But some of us, we don't, oh, why do I go to go to church? Maybe the challenge is that you just don't see the point of it all, to find a parking place. Everyone crams in a building, having to check in their kids and get a number. And if you lose the number, you got to go to the police station to get another number. Because <laughs> we're not letting you have your kid without a number. 
And we cram into a building and we, you know, get to the service either in the second or third song. And we listen to somebody talk for 30 minutes and then we go home. And then you get in the car and you rushed here. You rushed here. You got it. You got your kids. And then you go. And then, and then, hey, listen, as soon as I'm done, as soon as I say, your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you are out. <laughs> out. To the, to the kids, running, running to get the kids before everybody else so that you can go to the parking lot and get out. Because you had to spend more than an hour. You know what I'm saying? Now, all that's true. <laughs> and if that's the only reason that we're here at church, then that is a bad point. Does that make sense? Rush, rush to get ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes, I'm brushing my teeth. Hurry up. We're going to be late. You're always late. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and then you come. If that's the point, we've missed it. We missed it. Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now, can I just tell you right there, right here, just, just that little verse right there, that's not one hour. Does that make sense? That, 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 that's not church. I mean, I'm sorry, the one hour here is not just church. It is, we're having church, and that's, we're worshiping together, and we're serving, and we're loving, and praying, but this isn't just church. This is what church is. Not just the teaching, but fellowship, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, fellowship, prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They, sh they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, you're lucky, each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Listen to this, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. This is church. This is church. So let me, let me help you with the point. The next generation. Can I just tell you, parents, you're not just coming for you. This is not just for you and get your meat and get your worship on. Get your worship on, get your worship on. And then, no, 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 no. This is the next generation. You're, you're, we're helping you as the body of Christ. We're helping you. Deuteronomy 6, teach it to your children. Put it on their foreheads, on their wrists, on the doorposts. Talk about it when you wake up. Talk about it when you go to sleep. Talk about it when you're on vacation. Talk. This is the next generation. It's about growth. It's about service. It's about mission trips. It's about invitations with church, with, with, with neighbors, with people from school, with coworkers. This is church. The point is not just rush, 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 get here, get here, get here, and then we're done. The point is way bigger than that. So if you struggle with, I just don't get it. Man, I hope and pray that if you've been bored at church, and, and, and especially this one, I would just, I'm not saying this pridefully, but if you're bored at this church, there's something wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? 
Because we have so much going on. So much going on. All right, so how many still love me? You still good? Okay, here we go. Number three, last one, we gotta hurry. Laziness. I'll say busyness too. One of the things that we do um, or struggle with church is we just get lazy. Has to do with the point, but some of us know the point, but we're just still too busy or we're still too lazy. Now, let me just illustrate COVID has really in, it magnified that. Because I still, I still do talk to people that see me at a restaurant filled with hundreds, around let's just say 50 people with no masks, eating and breathing their food all over the place, saying, Pastor John, we love your message. What campus do you go to? Oh, we're watching online because of COVID. <laughs> oh. oh. Okay. I'm not making fun of you if you're really scared of COVID, but I am making fun of you. But I come to church just because, but you're at Target and you're at Walmart and you're at soccer games and you're at baseball games, but not at church. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I'm not I'm coming down on you, but I really want to help you that, that you're being lazy. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to start recording on Thursday, kick my feet up on Sunday and just watch the TV in my home and, and video and say, hey, everybody. I just didn't feel like coming because of COVID. Oh, man, I know I'm going to get emails. I'm sorry. I, I know it. I know it. Listen to this. This church never claps, but you clap on that? You love it when I hit people. You love it. Oh, Revelation chapter 2. Let's go. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his hand, right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands at the churches. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You've been very, very busy but you don't love me or others as you did at first. King James says you've lost your first love. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me. Do the works you did at first. And if you don't repent, I will come and remove your influence. He's not sending us to hell. He's just saying, I'm going to remove your influence. In other words, because of your, your laziness. Because, because you're, not, you're only going through calisthenics. It's not love. You're not serving you with one another. You're not hungry and hungering and thirsting after me in worship. You come into worship and you're barely there, third song, and it's like, here I am, and I gotta hurry. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I know this is hard to hear, but guys, the, the Lord is just saying, and this is chapter two and three of Revelation. This is the time period, and in my understanding of Revelation, the time period in which we are living in right now is Revelation chapter two and three. The message to the churches. And he's just, saying, he's just saying, hey, I'm not going to, I don't hate you. you. You've done some good things, but I'm going to remove your, you're not going to have any influence. You're not going to shine bright like a lampstand. You're going to be dull and, and non you're going to be non-influential. Read, read on, the next, the next passage, another church. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, you know this one. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot or cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. Now listen, guys, if this was talking 
to a group in North Dallas? You say you're rich, I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. Why do I need a church? Why do I need God? Why do I need... But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refining the fire. Now, what is he saying? He said, hey, I want you to come to me, and you, you, with what I give you, it, it, money can't buy it. Money can't buy you peace. Money can't buy your marriage back. Money can't buy anything that is eternal. Does this make sense to you? And in our laziness and in our, in our, in our busyness, we've lost our first love and, and we've become lukewarm. And I'm speaking to me too. I'm not just speaking to you. I'm speaking to all of us. But, but we got to realize that we are naked and we are wretched and poor and pitiful and blind. Come to me and, and buy from me don't quit investing in things that don't matter to, to get what you think you need. Come to me. Hebrews tells us, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Instead, motivate and encourage one another. What am I saying? Am I saying legalism? Am I saying, if you miss church, you're going to hell? No, you know better than that. You, you know better than that. But you also know better than to be lazy. And when we struggle with church because of hurt, or we struggle with church because, man, what's the point? If we struggle with church because we're lazy, simple fix. All of them are simple fixes. If you're hurt and disillusioned, forgive, try to make it, on, try to make it right, and move on. If you don't get the point, just get the point. If you don't get it, get the point. There's reasons. And if you're lazy, re-examine your priorities. Understand that God is faithful even if we're not. Understand that there is a bigger point than just a one-hour service. And understand that that the Lord really wants your whole heart. That if you've become low on your love and hunger for him, if this world has robbed you, distracted you of what only Jesus can give, if, 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 you've, been, if you've bought into the American dream that more and more and more is going to satisfy you. Guys, we've missed it. It's not about that. Buy from me, the Lord says. Buy from me. So our struggle is real. Whatever your struggle is with the church or has been or, or maybe will be, Guys, don't, don't let anyone, don't let anything rob you of your relationship with him and his body. Because he's not called us to isolation. He's not called us to be hurt, and so I'm never going to church again. I've heard those things over and over. You're only hurting you, 
and you're robbing the body of Christ from your gifts. And the king, does this make sense? So even though you struggle, we all struggle with church, some way, somehow, just give it to him. Give it to him if you're lazy. Don't be lazy anymore. Just say, hey, we're gonna make church a priority because church is, again, not just a service. It is a lifestyle. Guys, let's not just go to church. Let's be the church everywhere you go. Lord, you have spoken to us through your word. I really do believe that and helped us. And, and over the next few minutes, for those who have been hurt and disillusioned, and rightfully so, being hurt is not a sin. Being disillusioned is not a sin. It's not wrong to be hurt. Many of us have been hurt multiple times. But help us to learn how to manage the tension between the reality of hurt and the call to be a part of the body. Because the hand can't say, I don't need you. And the feet can't say, I don't need you. We all need each other. So Lord, help us to establish a point for the church. Help us to, to get out of our laziness and our busyness and to re-examine our priorities. And Lord, to make you the Lord of our lives and the love of our lives. Not anything in this world compares to you. So if there's anybody here that needs to make it right with you, maybe even another church, maybe even us, God, I pray that you'd put it on their heart to make it right with you, to make it right with somebody else. And may your kingdom come. May your will be done right here in this ecclesia as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.